Kimmy Guan's about to join us to discuss all three codes this weekend. Uh, good morning to you, Mick. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Hey, uh, Mickey, did you catch Amron Boy last night at Sandown? I certainly did. How good a dog is he? Oh. Wow, hey. He just flew. Broke 29 seconds. He's just an outstanding greyhound. Mick, what would have happened if that blue had got to the rail in front of him, do you reckon? Yeah, it changes the complexion of the race. There's no question whatsoever about that. But the chaser that he is, you just never give up, mm. irrespective of how far he's off the lead. He just knows how to find the rail, gets good sight of the bunny, and certainly charges and takes everything in his path um, to make sure he gets to the front first. He's just a fantastic chaser. It's frightening how much he potentially could earn, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think he's the best greyhound we've got going around. We probably put that on the table four or five weeks ago, boys, in the view that there was a lot of money up for grabs in that period just before Christmas, and I see no reason why this greyhound can't be the star of the next six to eight months. That is a good point, though. Yes, there's a lot of money in greyhound racing, but uh, you do need to strike when the iron is hot. We know that because the landscape changes so quickly. He's the best greyhound right now. He did miss out there in terms of taking out those big money races towards the back end of the year. So I'm sure the team will be hoping that he can jag a couple of big ones in the early part of the year because he's such an outstanding dog and he's in unbelievable form at the moment. I'll tell you who else is an outstanding job, uh, dog, Mickey, and that's where she's fast. And we get to see her in the heats of the Warrigal Cup. Yeah, can't wait. Um, really interesting to see how she does measure up on, in race eight on the program. Um, she's no doubt the class greyhound of the, the field, not racing for the 17th of December. Just that little freshen up. We've heard Calvin Greeno talk about what she does when she is fresh. She's at her best, and I see no reason why she won't advance to the Warrigal Cup. It won't be easy because there's a bit of speed drawn down inside. Um, Mumbo Arms, the grey, have had something on at $31. I'm not sure what it's in at the marketplace now. More the place than the win, uh, but I certainly entertained it in a one-by-three basis. And I just think um, Zoe Bale in box two... It was terrific running 29.79 on New Year's Eve from Box 1 at the Meadows. It's obviously a danger. And Sydney's boys are greyhound. I've got a lot of respect for. Doesn't pin the lids, but musters really quickly. And I think they're the probably three dangers that are in the uh, way of while she's fast, while she's fast advancing to the Warrior Cup final. All right. Now, um, we mentioned Sir Patrick Hogan passing away just before. Your thoughts on him, Mick, because what an incredible man, an incredible judge of horses. Yeah, absolutely, and it's amazing. I, I remember as a kid, Sean, uh, Noel Kelly was related to us, and I was out at his Dowling Forest stables one day when I was about eight or nine years of age. Might have been even seven, actually. And he had this great ability to see things others, others couldn't see about a horse. And just listening to him, the intellect and the, obviously the experience that he had in looking at all types of horses uh, was something you sort of gravitate to when you're in earshot when he talks about them. And I reckon Patrick Hogan was not dissimilar. Some people have just got this incredible learned eye when they see a young nearly or even a two-year-old and they can see something that others can't. And obviously Hogan was one of those people. He describes Sir Tristram as having, on a scale of 1 to 10, his vicious nature. The horse apparently was savage. He said, I'll put him at an 8. Never had a 9 or a 10, but he was probably the worst he'd struck. Yeah, well, they're the dangerous ones, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, you take your eye off them for one moment. Um, the repercussions could be quite uh, concerning. Um, 
and this is the reason why you see you know great horsemen they just know the traits and the behaviors of the animal and i think that's always a part of the interest level of a person like myself who just loves loves the animal but also when you get out to the stables of um, whoever you go to you always got to have your wits about you because you don't know the personality whereas the trainer of the horseman does now, it is interesting because sometimes a stud struggles to get one good stallion. Um, Sir Patrick had Sir Tristram and then Zabil line up. And I mean, you, <laughs> you, you couldn't get too better, could you? Yeah, it's just amazing. It's something the old man used to say when I was a young kid growing up playing sport. And they'd say, Mitch, go and ride at footy or cricket. And he'd say, yeah, well, it's easy when you're Sir Tristram. You can breed these type of bloodlines. But it was always a throwback line, wasn't it? You know, whether it could be a sportsman, mm. um, the dad, glowing and glowing reports about their boy or girl in the chosen field. They decided to play sport. It was always a throwback. If you had a racing um, party in your blood, you always mentioned the beer or Sir Tristram as a part of being a good sire. Now, Mickey, if we said you got to pick between these two and take one of them, which would you take? Captain Ravishing <laughs> or the other bloke, the Lost Storm? Um... Gee, that's a good question. I'd take Captain Ravishing due to his high speed. I just think this point-to-point speed that this horse has got is something to behold. I wouldn't mind owning both of them, um, I must say, but right now, with what I've seen, I think Captain Ravishing can be the next big thing in harness racing. He's just... Well, he just presents everything that you want on the plate, doesn't he? He does. Well, he probably wasn't tractable. Um, I think Emma and Clayton have started to work the horse out. Um... His last victory was just paralysing. Um, to see what he did and how he did it and the time he ran doing it, it was only made of what good horses are made of. And I think this horse, the stronger he gets, uh, the more tractable he gets, the more training he gets from Emma and Clayton, who just know what it takes to get a good horse and keep a good horse up. Um, I just can see this horse, um, once again, taking the harness racing industry by storm. And we need one. I think um, that's the reason why we get to the trots to see the next big thing, and Captain Ravishing could be that. Yeah, let's hope that they do reach those frightening sort of heights that we're hoping that they might. Uh, one horse who um, did achieve great success in 2022, and I think he is almost close to being the pin-up harness horse in 2023's Rock and Roll Do after his Victoria Cup success last year. Mick, and he goes around at Bendigo in the, in the Bendigo Pacing Cup tomorrow night. Um, he returned from a little bit of a spell after New Zealand, and he finished second at Cranbourne in the Cranbourne Cup. Um, from this better draw, do you expect him to win tomorrow night? Yeah, I do. I think he's the best horse in the race, and the barrier draw could be really advantageous to Mick Stanley. Um, the big query runner is number three, Sicario, and we mentioned just before the Cranbourne Cup when Major Meister uh, was a new acquisition to the Jason Grimson uh, stable, uh, we'd see a massive improvement. That we did. Uh, it's in the Benigo Pacing Cup as well, but it's drawn barrier 11. I see Sicario now with Grimson, Nathan Jack uh, driving. It's already been $11 to $6, $10 to $8 in other corporates. So where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, but I'm expecting Rock and Roll too. I think you can get $2.40 in a couple of uh, corporate places. It's $2 with the tote at the moment. I'm expecting him to start probably around the $2 mark, $1.90 mark, and I think anything above that's value. So if you can get 240 I think you've shot well, and I'd be certainly taking that up uh, right now. Two horse race, the uh, the Bendigo Pacing Cup, or do you think there could be a, a roughie there? Um, I think a lot will depend on the start when it, mm. the, the race shape could change. Uh, Chrissy Alpha could 
run the gate on David Aiken's horse, Max Delight. Uh, Sicario, we know, has got gate speed. Be interested to see what Nathan does there and be interested to see what Mick Stanley does with Rock and Roll too. Does he try to get involved in a little bit of the upbeat tempo out of the gate? Or does he just let the horse balance up and try to extricate from the rails and just put him at the race at the right time? Um, I don't think there is a value play uh, at, at big odds, but the, the money for Sicario is quite alarming. So I think we've just got to watch uh, what happens closer to race time to see whether it blows in the marketplace or even shortens up. But right now, I'd say 240 rock and roll do is value because I'm expecting to start closer to the dollar ninety. Hey, Mick, the, uh, the group one on the night's good. The, the trot, the Maori Mile, there's some nice horses in that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Majestuoso is probably the class horse of the field. Uh, Kate Gaff over a mile, she'll look to hold a position, you'd think, because I'm really jet number one. It'll probably look to hold up and not give the advantage to uh, Kate Gaff and let Majestuoso cross it, because if he does, I don't think I'm ready to jet can run it down. And if that race shape sits up like that with those two horses leading and sitting outside leader, Olavici, Olavici for Chris Lang, uh, sitting behind leader could get the run of the race and it could be the value play from the multi-perspective by putting it in the, in the place. I don't think it can win the race uh, because I think they'll get their, the clock in the head right. Both good drivers out in front. They won't overdo it. Olavici can probably zoom along the sprint lane and fill a hole and fill a place. And if you're going to take a dollar eighty to place it, maybe you're better off doing that than taking the even money, even money in the gesture in the gallops this weekend, Mick, a lot of the carnival focus obviously is in Queensland at the Gold Coast, but at Sandown, um, I don't know if I can recall at this time of the year previously having two horses that are over the age of three that are as interesting as Detonator Jack and Inundation going around at this stage of the year. It's, a, it's an intriguing card. Yeah, it is. It's a good card. There's plenty of depth to the, uh, the meeting. And Detonator Jack um, obviously is one for the multipliers in race two. I think it's dollar forty-five in the marketplace at the moment. Small field, sticky gate. You know, Imperial Lad will probably get control with the speed, but it's a question over the eighteen hundred. I think Detonator Jack can come down the middle of the track and still win. Uh, Inundation is the other horse you're talking about, Matt. It's second up. Jamie Carr, Barrier Two. It's a dollar forty-five. So for the multipliers, I think they'll both probably um, chalk up victories tomorrow. There's a couple of horses I like. Uh, race three, number nine, Worstfold. I think it's a very nice horse. Now, five starts ago, this horse ran third behind Mr. Brightside of Mooneyville in a benchmark 78. He's now with Nick Ryan. I've got no doubt this horse will win better races than this and he can get to group level. That's how much I've got an opinion of this horse. got a great turn of foot and I think that'll be on display considering how the race will set up tomorrow. And the other one that I've been in the corner of the last couple of starts is race seven, number four, the nephew. I think on an each-way basis at $6.00. It can be very hard to beat. It was very good at Packerham two ago. Good again at Mooney Valley. Comes back to 1800. I see no problem with that. And gets a blinkers first time to offset that. So I think it's ready to peak. And I think it's an each way value bet in race seven. And there's a horse I heard Mark Hunter talk about uh, in race nine. when he was on earlier with Matty Stewart. Uh, a horse that I've got an opinion of is race nine, number three, Hickok. I've actually backed it. At uh, $13 each way, it's first up, not raced for 192 days. Tony Noonan's horses are going particularly well, even though they're not winning out of turn, but they're racing well. And with the good speed in the race, I'm expecting expecting Hickok to come down the middle of the track and chime in at pretty good odds around the $13 mark. So they're my three plays. Worst folding race three, race seven, number four, the nephew. And race nine, number three, Hickok each way. Hey, worst fold's an interesting horse. He didn't start racing until he's about four and a half. He's only had 12 starts. Yeah, very good horse. Um, he was impressive first up for Nick Ryan. And for those that you know, gravitate to horse trainers, I think this young fella, um, ex-jockey, 
terrific young jockey he was before Wake got hold of him. Um, I reckon he's a fantastic young horseman, always prepared to ask questions, always prepared to listen and learn. And um, his stable's absolutely flying at the moment. This horse is a new acquisition to his stable. And I see no reason why this horse can't win tomorrow and then get on, get on to bigger and better things because of the turn of foot that he possesses. Someone's just texting Mick. How bloody good is Mick McGuan? They love your work, Mickey. They love your insights across all three codes. Uh, we can't wait for the footy to start, can we, as well? That's uh, It's going to be exciting, 2023. i tell you what, they're getting excited, the journos as well. I saw an article in the paper today, who's burning it up on the track? It starts very early. Well, it does. And that's the beauty of it. You get to training over this time of year and you see different types of coaches putting in different, what you call concept trainings, what their focus points are on. I went and watched Alistair Clarkson before Christmas, a lot of emphasis on defensive strategy, a lot of concept training around coming forward to defend to make sure they defend the ground better. Uh, you go and watch Essendon, they're concentrating on their probably ball movement and they're really concentrating on their formation, right, their position. Uh, you go and watch Brisbane and the Gold Coast, as I spoke to you, Sean, when I was up there yeah. uh, watching them, how they go about it. Um, it's just amazing how there's little bits of every club doing little things, but there's little adults. Uh, that they think they have to master to make themselves more complete going into 2023. And that's the reason why this time of year is so exciting. Hey, big pre-season, you know, they used to go to camps and so forth and high altitude and all that sort of stuff. That seems to have disappeared. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've always been an advocate if you can get it. This is my Perth and West Australia and South Australia to a point. When you can train in the heat with the humidity, it just serves you so well. And obviously we've had a pretty cold pre-Christmas um, and that can, you know, only by 2 or 3%, but we all look at margins at the end of the day to make us close to 100% and everything we do to the best of our capabilities to make our playing group the best they can be, to give them every chance to be as competitive and as driven as they can be. It all adds up, and if you can train in here on a consistent basis, I just think it fuels fitness levels, mental strength, all that sort of stuff that makes you more complete. If you do it, the group does it, the better you become. And this time of year, you see all the nice stuff come out in the social media, which is good. And I see, being a Pies fan, Mick, there's a little fella, and his signed footy got pinched. Someone knocked it off on him. And so uh, Mason Cox and the boys got him down to the, the club and uh, got him another signed footy and a Guernsey in the whole lot and made the little blokes year. Yeah, I saw that. I think Jack Denneven was involved as well. Yeah. Obviously, um, the human side should never be lost. I think it's always important to gravitate to your fans. Gravitate to the young kids, whether they be boys or girls, um, because the day they stop asking you, that's the day you realise you've forgotten about. So every opportunity you get to put a smile on a kid's face, I think it's worth it. Take some time out, sign your name, personalise it if you can, uh, because that lasting memory lives with you know that young boy or girl forever. I think it's um, something that all players should really adopt irrespective of how busy they are. Yeah, I don't know whether it's something that happens more often now than it used to, but I certainly believe that social media and um, the more um, uh, staff, I guess, within footy clubs, um, digital producers, etc., um, the ability to tell those stories has never been better, and football clubs do a great job of doing that, so they should be commended on it. Hey, uh, Mickey, well done with your thoughts again this week. Uh, always a pleasure catching up, and we look forward to doing so again uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, see you, boys. Good on you, Mick. There's the great Mickey McGuan joining us. He does each and every Friday.